Everything was quiet until my first supply drop. I had been making slow but steady progress, cleaning and repairing the station buildings for several weeks when the train arrived, heralded with black smoke that seemed to fill the air for miles. This one was even bulkier than the one I had arrived on. New sheets of metal had been welded on top of previous layers. I wondered how much damage was it doing to the railway tracks it was meant to be repairing with all that extra weight. But as the train slowed and the smoke cleared, I saw long scratches along the lengths of the carriages, deep into the metal. I hoped that this was simply from the new thickness of the carriages making them too wide for parts of the journey. Deep down, I knew that wasn't the truth. The man who got off the train to greet me had a hollow expression. He looked both ways along the platform, staring out for several minutes before he acknowledged me. Then he gripped my arm tight and asked me what I had seen since I had arrived. I shook my head, too stunned to respond with words. His grip relaxed, and he seemed to almost keel over with relief. I felt overwhelmed. I hadn't spoken to another human being in weeks, and this was too much. No one else got off the train, and when I got on to take my packages, the atmosphere on board made me feel ill. It was silent, the soldiers staring at me with blank eyes. I could feel them willing me to hurry so the train could start up again. I was given another food package along with the first delivery of spare fuel for the trains. Huge skips of coal which were shoved onto the platform by miserable looking men who scurried back on board. I was also given radio equipment to allow me to contact the ends of the line and report on the trains that passed through. The train left after barely ten minutes. I had to leave the coal where it was. I secured a tarpaulin over it, but it would take hours to move it all myself. I took the radio equipment inside and spent the rest of the day reading over the manual, happy to finally have something to do. When I finally got it working, it felt like I was a part of the world again. I sent a message to letting them know that I was set up and acknowledging the arrival of the train. I got a response soon after, acknowledging my message. There were no further instructions. I wondered whether I should ask about the scratch along the train. Even then, I was afraid of asking more than I was told. A remnant of the war, I suppose. I'm not surprised they told me nothing. I'm sure they would never have expected me to stay if they did. The weather had been dry for the weeks I had been there, something I had been thankful for as I hurried to repair the roofs and tried to secure the firewood and the fuel for the trains all by myself. But it did not last. One night the heavens finally opened and I heard the water pour down, flooding the yard and turning the land in front of the station into a misty and unknown landscape. I rushed about, checking for leaks, worrying about the radio equipment and my tiny food supplies. I barely looked outside. It must have followed the train. 
No carriages had been missing this time. It had not been sated. That is what I believe now. I wonder how long it waited, watching, before I knew it was there. Only the rain gave it away. The next morning the rain continued, the landscape a grey blur. I stood outside on the platform, missing the sunrise, when movement caught my eye. Something huge was out there, in the meadow beyond the tracks. I watched it as it crossed my vision, seeing the disruption of the rain as it hit something other than the ground. It moved slowly but steadily, and as I stared, I saw that its trajectory would take it across the train line. At that point, I felt the first pangs of fear, but I forced down the panic. It could be anything, a passing animal, a tractor, a truck. I knew very little about the surrounding area. In fact, all I had really been told was that it was mostly all abandoned after the war. There was no need to do anything but remain calm and keep an eye on it. I went back inside and sent in my daily check-in message a few hours early, reporting the change in the weather and the possibility of water damage. I did not mention what I had seen outside. I saw it again in the afternoon. I was up on the roof of one of the outbuildings, securing a tarpaulin over a hole. I looked outside the compound, this time towards the mountains, and saw once again the huge bulk in the distance, moving in a slow, constant path. It had moved, I realised, in a large circle all around the station. I felt the hot and bitter taste of acid in my mouth as fear and dread turned into nausea. It took all my concentration to climb safely down off the roof. I could not stop myself from running as I headed back into the main station building, abandoning all my tools outside. I went straight to the radio and sent in a report. Station under surveillance. Unknown creature or object circling the area. Requesting help. I felt torn, afraid to look outside and afraid not to. Evening came and it grew cold inside, but I hesitated to build a fire. I could hear nothing outside over the sound of the rain, and I hoped that whatever was circling the station didn't know where I was, and that I could wait it out until help arrived. I was shivering for hours before I realised that it must have seen me on the roof earlier in the day, and if it had spent hours watching then there was no way it didn't know I was here. I might as well be warm. I built the fire up with shaking hands and lit the kindling, the burst of warmth giving me new strength. I stood and looked out the window, out across the platform, my legs shaking but my eyes clear. I had survived so much to get to this posting. There was no point feeling sorry for myself. This was my duty. I stared out, and there, across the tracks, was the hulking thing. It was much closer now, perhaps only ten metres or so from the railway line, and it had stopped moving, 
I tried to make out the details. It was perhaps 10, maybe even 15 metres across and tall. An odd rough shape that I couldn't understand. It didn't seem man-made. The shape was hardly like a tank or, or a vehicle. But the stillness of it in the rain, now it had stopped, made it seem like it could hardly be an animal. I got the strong sense that it could see me watching, and as I looked out it raised itself. Two glowing orbs that could have been demonic eyes, or perhaps headlamps, shone out of the rain, hiding the rest of the mass as they beamed towards me. Then... All of a sudden it leaped right towards the station. I collapsed, falling backwards as the thing lunged towards the building and from the floor I scrambled backwards, my breath caught in my throat as I silently fought to get back up on my feet and away from the creature outside. I reached the far wall and pulled myself up, bracing myself for the thing to crash through the wall. My hand found the only weapon I could reach, the iron poker that had been leaning against the now smouldering fire. I grasped it with both hands and moved towards the door to the cellar, hoping against hope that I would reach it. The rough iron of the poker felt reassuringly heavy in my hands as I threw myself across the room and pushed the cellar door open, slamming it behind me and falling down the short set of stairs beyond. Winded and bruised, I crawled into a corner, panting as I caught my breath in the darkness and watched the thin strip of light around the door. I sat in the darkness alone and I waited.